It is honestly such a shame that so few European teams can play in the Olympics. I mean, not just Europe, but like African teams, South American teams, like all the teams that like kind of shocked the world at the World Cup usually don't get the opportunity to play in the Olympics. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Snacks Delivered by Grubhub. I'm Sam Mewis. And I'm Lynn Williams. And this is a show about women's soccer, but it's also about retirement, fun, and soccer and friendship thank you lynn for filling that in because as usual i drew a blank (laughs) here is what we're doing today on the podcast we have a camp recap with julie and pino's goodbyes we are also going to talk to janine becky as she comes back from injury canada's insane olympic record and missing out on the world cup sad we also have a very new exciting pop culture segment this is new to snacks courtesy of jay snacks himself and we have a voicemail but before we get to all of that it's fall. It's fall now. Everybody relax. Uh, it's here. I was wondering, now that I am in New York, over here, I know that we have all the seasons in New York, but what is it about fall that you love so much? Because I look outside and it's rainy and gross. Well, Lynn, this has been a time of coastal storms, and therefore we are getting a lot of rain this time of the mm-hmm. year along over here on this old East coast. So you'll see soon enough. Why? When the leaves start to change and the air gets a little crisp and you have a little candy corn in your bowl, you'll get it. You'll understand. So it's not this fall that you like. It's, it's just leaves changing chilly, crisp weather. I haven't like had a full fall experience yet, but it is, it is only September 26th. So you just hold on to your hats. Okay, my hat is being held on to. Okay, Um, speaking of holding on to other articles of clothing. Well, I finished your Wednesday vest. It's not black. It's it's green. I hope you like it. I'm going to put it on and show you. Okay? Oh, my God. One second. One second. I can't wait. Do, do, do. Don't look. Okay. Open. Oh, my God. I love. Wait, that's green? Oh my gosh, Lynn. Thank you so much. If you're listening to this on an audio format, Lynn made me a Wednesday vest. It's green and white. It looks like it could be for Slytherin, which I actually, I also like that. It's like green and a cream color. I love it. It's a heavier winter vest. It's my very first one. I love it so much. When can I have? When you come see me. Okay. I come see you today. I can't wait to give it to you. I hope it fits. I hope you like it. I hope you wear it. Well, Lynn, thank you so much. I love it already. I can't wait to try it on and to wear it around and do my fall activities in green. We need to move on to camp, but I wanted to let you know that this was actually so such like a good thing for me to do in camp. I felt like it was passing the time and it made me less stressed. So I'm going to just continue to make me gifts to make Sam gifts in camp. I love that idea. <laughs> okay. Um, yes. Let's move on to camp. Can you tell us overall what it was like to be back with the national team for the first time since the world cup? It was good. Um, I feel like it was such an interesting camp. We obviously, there was like a group of people who needed to come back and talk about the world cup and kind of like go through it. And I think that like close one chapter before we can move on to the next. But then at the same time, we are in a moment where there was new people who were getting their first caps. We're celebrating the careers of Julian Pino. And then we're in this like weird transition of coaching and we fit it all in a week. So it was like a lot, like there was a lot going on, but overall I think that Twyla and the coaching staff did a great job. Um, 
We obviously got two wins. I felt like we, in the games, like did well. We need to still continue to build, but it was a good step forward. So I actually had a good time. I am so glad to hear that. So the first game was Julie's retirement game. Mm-hmm. You scored two goals. A little boop and a little bop. Yeah. Can you talk about the, that first game at all? Yeah. So um, the very first 15 minutes of that game, I would say weren't going that great. Um, we, we were like, what is happening? It was a little um, hectic. It was a little hectic, a little, a uh, couple of unforced turnovers, but that's okay. We got it together. And then we got our goal off the corner. My role was to get in front of the keeper and clean up any like messes. That was just, they were like, there was going to be opportunities, um, right in front of goal. So just put yourself in a great position. And I feel like I executed that to my best ability. You executed that better than anybody ever has before two goals thank you the second goal was lol i was like i didn't even really see it coming it just smacked me um but no i think that like that when we think about set pieces uh in the national team i always think about like some of the best set piece team in the world um and i thought that the delivery was great and then i don't get those goals without julie and Lindsay flicking it on so i think sometimes we only look at like the goal scorer we look at the service but we don't look at every single piece and person that had to do their role um and so like Lindsay had to get the flick sunny had to deliver it great everybody had to block yep. for them so they could get those you know and you know that so yeah I was just really proud of the team in those moments of like every single person did their role to, to get a goal and put us on top. Well, there you go, Lynn. Great job. You were also named the Deloitte player of the match. So congratulations for that. How was Julie's goodbye, her retirement? Like, can you talk a little bit about the impact that she's had and how the team like handled that sad moment? I know. Well, Sam, you can talk about it too. Like you played with her for a really long time. I know. Look <laughs> at me interviewing you. Like I'm freaking yeah. good morning, America. I know. I, I mean, I think that everybody can <laughs> recognize the impact Julie has had on the game and on the national team. Um, obviously, the past couple of years have probably been just like a, a little bit interesting for her. She like before the Olympics was injured and then went to the Olympics, had a baby. And just to see her come back from that, I think that anybody who has a baby and comes back and plays and I just give them so much respect because God knows, like after training, all I want to do is lay down and they have to go be a mom and be on all the time. And so it was like bittersweet. I think that for both Pino and Julie, like you can 100% know in your heart that it's time for you to be done, but also it be sad at the same time. They both gave so much to the game. Julie had such an impact in her career. I feel like she just stepped onto the national team with like such a force and was like, this is my spot. The moment she got her opportunity, it was like, this is my spot and I'm not looking back. We had like, you know how when you do for a hundredth caps, you, you sit and you, yeah, you can explain it. Yeah. So when you're celebrating somebody, whether it's for their hundredth cap or their retirement game in the pregame meeting, the U S soccer plays like a little video of their highlights and like important moments from their career. And then players who are really close to them get up and like say a few words about the player. Um, and it's always like, a sob fest because like obviously you're there to talk about somebody who means so much to you and whether they're leaving or they've reached this milestone it's always just a really emotional day and it's so wild that we do it right before the game because then everybody's like oh my god i love I you so much so how was julie's i know it it is so weird that we do this before the game with pinos <laughs> we did it the night before just because yeah, with julie's, mean, yeah, we you... were like all right a we mess. can't be doing this before this <laughs> before the game but it was so good 
one thing I wanted to say, I can't remember who said it, but like I said, Julie like stepped onto the national team with such a force and took her opportunity. And so they were telling a story about how Olgarve or something, like she was the fourth string center back and then somebody went down. And so somebody else was supposed to step in and, and play because Ju- and the Julie was going to be on the bench. But then the morning of that person ended up getting an injury, like waking up being like, oh my gosh, my calf or whatever reason they couldn't play. And so it was Julie's turn. And from that moment, she just was like, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to take my opportunity and run with it. And I thought that that was such a good message for everybody um, who wants to be on the national team, who comes into the national team, just like whatever team you're on is just, you never know when your opportunity is going to come and you never know how you're going to get it. Just continue to stay ready. And when you do get that opportunity, make the most of it. Um, And I felt like that was just like her career summed up in one moment is she just made the most of every single opportunity she got on the field. So it was like, so it was so sad, but at the same time, everybody was just like, thank you so much. And hopefully we can just keep pushing forward. And um, like, it was so funny. She like kept walking around, you know, Julie, she walks around with like an iPad all the time. She like wants to be perfect. (laughs) And even that morning she was like walking around with the iPad and everybody's like, Julie, it doesn't matter anymore. Like (laughs) this is your last game to like put the iPad down. Yeah, like we we you pretty much know where to be at this point. Like you have pretty much upheld the standard of every set piece for the past however many years you've been on this team. So like yeah. my gosh, I hope she knew and clearly she always knew. So congratulations to Julie. That was so emotional to watch on TV, but I'm happy for her that she feels so like sure about her decision and and feels great about like what she's decided to do. And she's had such an incredible career. She's been so great for the team, but that brings us to the second game. And we want to quickly talk about Megan Rapinoe's cross to Sonnet, Mm -hmm. which brings us to the delivery of the week. It is time now for the delivery of the week delivered by Grubhub. This week, the delivery of the week comes from our American hero, Megan Rapinoe in her final match for the USA she pulled vintage Pino out of her bag and looped in a perfect cross to Emily Sonnet, who headed it past the South African goalkeeper. It's a reminder of all the amazing crosses Pino has played, her perfect touch, and just how amazing she is. <laughs> okay, that's the delivery. From- oh my gosh. Okay, that's the <laughs> delivery of the week. Satisfy every craving with delicious food delivery from Grubhub. We're going to need to work on that. But anyway, <laughs> we'll move on. It was so funny. So Pino like basically was like, I'm playing 50 minutes. And I think it was like premeditated that she was going to come out. Kind of like Julie was premeditated that she was going to come out at whatever minute she came out. I love how you're using the word premeditated. Yeah, I know. It was weird. I thought about it in my mind and I was like, I'm just going to keep used rolling it twice. with it. You doubled <laughs> down. Okay. You, moving on. So she like, obviously every single time there's a set piece, we're like, all right, she's going to score. Like, this is the moment. And then she obviously played the ball and Sonnet scored. But then right after that, there was that free kick and it was like around the 51st minute (laughs) and we were like, she's supposed to come out. Like, and Twyla was like, I can't do this. So it was just so funny because in that moment I was like, just pull her out. Imagine she like doesn't score. That would have been funny. (laughs) She would have been livid. She'd been like, what the hell was that? I know. Well, my gosh, it was so fitting to see Pino having so much fun. Um, I I feel like all the coverage and all like, even during the game, like, she took every free kick. It was so fun to watch. Like I, I wish well, I could you... have been there to be a part of it, but like, I felt so happy that Pino seemed so happy and so content with what she's mm-hmm. done. And, and oh my God, I can't think of anybody who's done more off the field than Pino, let alone what she's done on the field, which is also kind of like unmatched. So it's like, so sad to see her go. 
Um, but I'm happy for her that she feels like it's her time and she's just accomplished literally everything that you can accomplish. Her impact will live forever within the team and outside the team. Is there anything memorable that sticks out to you about saying goodbye to Pino? Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to say, I think like she has like transcended the sport of soccer. It's crazy. Like she's impacted her generation, our generation, the generation after us, and even people that don't even know how much she's impacted them yet. She's impacted those people as well. A couple of moments that I think were silly. First of all, did you see her um, off the bus outfit? Did you yeah, I did. But can you remind us? She had black pants on, a white tank top. Oh, and, and the like, jacket. This cool, like, biker Motorcycle jacket. Motorcycle jacket. <laughs> yeah, like a crop top. We were like, where did you even get that? Like, where does one find that? But anyways, in natural Pinot fashion, she looked amazing. I'm trying to, like, I feel like there were just so many tears. Like, we were just all crying. Um, but then, like, you have to joke about it because you can't cry too much because you're just like, I'll turn into a puddle. Yeah. Um, so in also natural Pinot fashion, she would like say something so sad and sweet. And then she would like roast somebody kind of like yeah. she roasted Lindsay, like at the halftime or after the game. Yeah. And everybody was like, Pino, you've been speaking for about five to 10 minutes. Like put the mic down. Yeah. Like we like, have to go. Like, yeah. Like it's time. And it was so funny. Like after the game too, Pino obviously was doing a round and we were like following her, but then she would like stop. And instead of the team going, like, we would stop and just stand there. And then we were, like, standing there for a couple minutes. And we were like, wait, should we continue? And then she would, like, walk a little more. And then we'd, we would stop. And we were like, nobody cares about us right now. Like, why do we keep just stopping and <laughs> yeah, watching like, we her? We can go in. <laughs> yeah, like, we, it's time for us to go. Pino was like, yeah, like, leave. I don't want you guys around anymore. I'm retiring for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, this is my moment. Leave. <laughs> like, okay, sorry, sorry. Well, my gosh. Like, congratulations to both Julie and Pino, I mean, two legends. Like, I can't believe the team has to say goodbye to two I know. incredible players like that in one week. So congrats. And the team will really never be the same. Okay. That was so NWSL. sad. Was that too <laughs> dramatic? And it will never be the same. So we're going to continue. So we better just move on to the NWSL. Um, you're back in New York slash New Jersey slash mm-hmm. Gotham area, the greater mm-hmm. Gotham region of New York slash New Jersey. You mm-hmm. have three games left. Yep. You guys are playing Houston, Portland, and Kansas City. How are yep. you feeling? Excited. Um, anxious. I'm not really nervous, but it's just like the table's so tight. I think maybe somebody could do this math for us, but I do not think anybody is in, and I do not think for sure anybody's out, which is crazy at this point in the season. Very crazy. But basically, there is nine points at stake. Gotham girls, good luck. Go baddies. Okay, next up, we have Janine Becky, so don't go anywhere. Do you want to dive deeper into women's sports news of the week? You can get the latest news delivered straight into your inbox. That's right. You can start your morning off right five days a week with the Just Women's Sports newsletter, our free daily newsletter that brings you the latest and greatest in women's sports. Whether it's breaking news, exclusive conversations, or just a cool stat that you might be missing, we've got you covered. So never miss a story on women's sports. You can subscribe for free at justwomensports.com backslash newsletter. That's justwomensports.com backslash newsletter. And we'll see you in your inbox. Today, we have a gold medal winner, an NWSL champion, a two-time FA Cup winner, and a two-time FA League Cup winner. Janine, Becky, welcome to Snacks. Welcome. Thank you, guys. So happy to be here. We wanted to ask you, Janine, about when you hurt your ACL, but how your rehab is going. We, you, we saw that you were running on the treadmill recently. How are you feeling? Like, how's everything going? 
Um, I'm doing really well. I I will be six months post-op at the end of September, which is great. And I'm taking it slow. We're going really conservative, which is what I wanted. You know, I, I don't want to go through this again. So, uh, Sam, you know all too well about dealing with injuries, unfortunately. So you just kind of like, it's really weird. I was actually talking to Soph Smith this morning and we were just like, it's kind of like you just got to get through the day and then get to the next one. And then before you know it, you've you've accumulated this amount of time where you're in a different spot. But um, yeah, I'm actually, tomorrow will be my fourth day, like running on the field with my tennis shoes on. So that's great. I feel good. Um, I'm getting a little bit of like residual knee pain as I start to Mm. get back into impact, but long answer, um, I'm doing really well. That's good. It's so funny because you're right. Like you get injured and you're like, how on earth am I ever going to get back? And then you just do it and you're like, oh, okay. And then mm-hmm. you like look back and you're like, wow, it's been six months. I can't believe I've gone through all of these stages already. hundred percent. I've thought that many times. Like I remember coming out of surgery, being on crutches and I'm like, I don't even think I'm ever going to walk again. Like so dramatic. And then you start walking and you're like, okay, this feels weird, but I'm fine. And then just like every phase you go through and it's like, this is just how you know, rehab is, is just have a learning how to do things again goes, but it's strange. It's definitely a weird mental, physical connection. Yeah, for sure. How has it been in Portland? Like throughout this time has, do you go in with the team all the time? Like how has the whole process been of like just starting with surgery and going through those first few days and then months? It was such a weird time that I got injured because it was obviously like right at the end of preseason. So everyone's ramping up to start the season. You've got this, uh, long, journey of the NWSL ahead of you. And then I was like, I'm not going to play this year. So it was really weird for me um, to kind of understand how that was going to work from just like being around the team kind of thing. Uh, The team has been absolutely amazing with me. So my fiance is from Miami. That's where we consider kind of like home now. And I don't have any family or like close, close friends in the Portland area. So the club was really great with me and let me go down to Miami to get my surgery so that I could, you know, have folks around to take care of me. So I was down there for surgery, spent the next like six, seven weeks down there starting my rehab. And then I came back in with the team. Um, and the lonely, the lonely rehab began. I was in the gym a lot by myself, you know, on the bike, that kind of thing. And then with my physical therapist, but now that I'm after, I think it was like the July break, the world cup break, I really started to spend more time around the team. So that was really nice. And now I'm kind of back in the same rhythm as the whole team. And at the same time as them, I have enough time to go to team meetings now. So trying to get back in the groove of being part of a team. And then it's going to be really weird when all of a sudden, you know, the season's over in a couple of months, not even. It feels like so close and so far away at the same time. And you know, the NWSL, a bunch of wild things are going to happen before the end <laughs> of the season and stuff that no one expects. So I'm just preparing myself to be surprised by all the wild things that are going to happen. No, I know the table is like so close right now. It's craziness. It's mayhem. Um, I just wanted to touch on... Um, a quote that you said, because you obviously tore your ACL during a time that it seemed like everybody was tearing their ACL or getting injured and just another mayhem moment. Um, and you said, I'm not going to read the, we have the quote here. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically you're saying, if you're going to ask elite athletes to play 50 games a season, you've got to provide them top of the line care. And it's like the men got that, but the women don't. Could you just like elaborate on that a bit, if you don't mind? Yeah, I like that um, mayhem moment. I feel like you should coin that. That's a great, a great line. 
I absolutely <laughs> has been like we saw multiple mayhem moments and then it just was like one after the next I think it was like obviously Viv Miedema did hers and Beth Mead and then like a couple weeks after I did mine Leah went down and it was just mm-hmm. like we were waiting for the next person to just have this happen yeah I said that in an interview that I did back a couple months ago uh, and I didn't expect that quote to like get out there, but obviously was really happy that it did because it's so important. And it was interesting because specifically at Arsenal, there was like five of them that kind of tore the ACL within a few months of each other. And it just doesn't make sense to me how that can happen in an environment. And obviously, like having played in England, having seen the setup at Arsenal, playing them a bunch of times, I'm sure it has nothing to do with what's going on there but it's has everything to do with the fact that they changed to the men's schedule they're playing an insane amount of year of excuse me games a year you've got league play uh league cup play there's two different league cups there's champions league you know um and national duty like that exactly that on top yeah yeah so these players are one never getting a break to the break that they get in the summer sometimes doesn't even happen if there's a major tournament and the load that these players are playing under is significantly heavier than what they would have been used to. And so my point in saying that was you're asking these players to play under a really, really heavy load, and then you're not counterbalancing that with extra recovery sessions, equipment, um, more medical personnel. I think like at City for the men's team, they have some stupid ratio of like, three players to one physio or something like that. Like they just have a wild amount of medical staff. And by stupid, I mean like outrageous. I can't believe that. But that's, you know, if if that's how they're, you know, operating, that's how it should be. And you see these Premier League teams that have their big time players available all the time. So they're doing the right things off the field. They've got cryotherapy on the on their property, you know, like hot tub, cold tub, pool, uh, massage therapy, like everything you can think of. A lot of these like teams that high level professional athletes look across all different kinds of sports, they have enough money to hire their whole team of their own people that they see. So even if their team's not providing that, they're getting that. Um, and unfortunately, unfortunately, the reality for us is that that's just not possible for most of us. So, you know, we have to continue to push that standard in our own environments, because if we don't change the resource availability for our players, we're just going to continue to see this, see these mayhem moments happen more and more frequently. Yeah, I know. Thanks for sharing that, Janine. I feel like we mentioned that quote earlier in our season of snacks when we were talking about all these ACL injuries happening and you named so many of those kind of disparities between the men's game and the women's game, even though our schedule and our demands seem like they are increasing year after year. You've played in England, you've played in the NWSL and you've played for Canada and we're actually going to ask you soon about what's been going on with the Canadian Federation and your team, but across all those places that you've played, is there anything, I mean, of course you just named all these resources that were at city for the men, but like, is there anything overarching that stood out to you about just differences between the three kind of group? Well, what are they called? Organizations? <laughs> what were you going to yeah, say? Like? I said leagues. Yeah. Leagues, but including <laughs> Canada, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Environments. I think like, 
Oh, that's you, the word. Environment. That's you the know, word. Thanks, Janine. That's why, that is why we're here together. Because when we can't, can't come up with words, we are there for one another. Um, I mean, Sam, you obviously saw the setup at City with me, um, which feels like forever ago, by the way. I, I was I thinking, know. I was telling someone the other day, I was like, oh yeah, me, Sam, Rose, and Abby were all there at the same time. And then I was like, why do I feel like that was a century ago? Like another one. Um, Good times, good times. Yeah, the, I think each environment has been really different for me, and it's been really great for me to see all of those different environments because as I, you know, get older in my career, as I spend time in different environments and, you know, are given the opportunity to speak into those environments and maybe make suggestions, it's really helpful. Um, and the biggest lesson I've learned is no environment has everything, and I think that that's really important for players to recognize. And I'm sure that it's the same on the men's side, you know, like whether it's, coaching or teammates or you know the men probably don't have to worry about facilities as much as we do but there is no perfect place and so I think going into an environment with that mindset it makes it a lot easier to get used to what you have but I would say you know there's a lot of environments that we go into in the NWSL that we travel into and you see the things that either a team has or don't have and you're like, okay, we need to continue to raise the bar for the entire league. And there's so many teams in the league that are continuing to push that bar. Um, and I would definitely say that the thorns are up there. I think, you know, from an organization perspective, we're doing a lot of things right. Um, and there's, there's still a long way to go. But I think in my rehab, I've been really grateful for the people that we have. Um, and just the fact that in the women's soccer community, I think specifically, there's just such great people behind the scenes when it comes to like rehab and, and that kind of thing. And unfortunately, in women's soccer, we have so many people that have experience in, you know, ACL rehabs and that kind of thing. So I think, you know, I'm a true believer in like, you're you are where you're supposed to be in whatever moment. And so as much as, you know, we can wish that we're in different environments and different situations, I feel like each environment that I've been in has been the right place for me at that point in my career. And I got to see all of the things that we had at City and all the things that maybe we didn't have and then come here and maybe, you know, say, oh, we did this there and it worked really well. Um, or we never had to worry about playing surface because the grass over there is just like so amazing. It's like, so I was just like... You get so used to it. And then I left there and I was like, oh, I miss grass every day. <laughs> like it's it's wild. But um, yeah, I think like I've really tried in every environment that I've been in to see, you know, the positives. And then at the same time, still have that not pessimistic, but growth mindset of like, okay, where can this, where can we take this? Where can this go? And how are we, how do we match up against, you know, the gold medal standard of, environments all across the world yeah I think that that is such a good outlook um to think like no environment's perfect like you said well I played on three NWSL teams I haven't played another league but every single NWSL team is different too um but it seems like it's not the quality it's just the quantity of people there's so many I think teams and people that are wearing three different hats. So then things slip through the cracks. And so if we can change that, start there and just have those resources, I think that that's like a good first step, but it is amazing to see. I think Portland is up there with like doing incredible things. You know, you have your whole setup. It seems like you, you go into training and you have everything right there and, and we need more teams to continue to push the top. So, so it forces the bottom to come up, but, but that's like every league around the world right now. Uh, you have these teams that are, 
four or five teams that are doing great. And then the bottom, you're like, okay, you got to keep coming. You got to keep going with us. But obviously all of those injuries um, affected your ability to go to the World Cup. So we are so devastated for you in that sense. And obviously like Canada's World Cup journey didn't go as planned, much like ours. Um, but before we touch on that, we want to go back to your experience with the Olympics. Canada's kind of sneaky, sneaky good at the Olympics. Like what, what's going on? It's really weird. I know that our staff went into like a deep dive of why we found so much, so much success in the Olympic games and it hasn't been translated to the world cup. I mean, there's obviously like very blatant differences in terms of the world cup's much longer. The world cup has a lot more teams, a lot more competitive teams. I mean, it is honestly such a shame that so few European teams can play in the Olympics because you look at the World Cup and just the, the expansion of the field anyways was so amazing to see at this World Cup. I mean, not just Europe, but like African teams, South American teams, like all the teams that like kind of shocked the world at the World Cup usually don't get the opportunity to play in the Olympics. So I, I genuinely don't know what it is. I think we've just, we're so confident at the Olympics because we've been successful at the Olympics for the last three games. Um, and I think coming off a gold medal, we've had a different reality than we ever had as a team. I think, you know, obviously both of you have played against us on multiple occasions and, and that game's always a little bit different because it's a rivalry game. But when we play, you know, in the past, let's say prior to the gold medal, we had this and thrived on the underdog mentality for so long. And that was so such a big part of our culture and our DNA as a team. And so I think when we won the gold medal, at least for me, I think I had this expectation that things were really going to change. And I don't know if it was because it was in the middle of COVID or, you know, it was the Olympics and it's not as respected on a global football scale as something like the World Cup, but mix all of that with some of the issues that we had in our federation. And it wasn't like, let's say like when you guys won the 2019 World Cup or even the 2015 World Cup and everything changed for you guys as players, which is absolutely how it should be when you win a major tournament. And that kind of just didn't happen for us. And so when we came through the gold medal and into the preparation for the World Cup, I don't know if it was like a we're not used to having this kind of target on our back or this title of Olympic champions and have to kind of carry that pressure and respect and expectation. And so I wouldn't say that we were like poor or we had any like horrible results, but it kind of was just like there wasn't that next push. It really felt like from from our group and our group has stayed very much the same for so long. And I think that's also the hard thing. You've got a lot of people that have played on the team for a long time with very different experiences. And then you add in young new players who were, you know, on the roster for the 2019 World Cup, didn't really play. We had a poor 2019 World Cup go win the Olympics. It's all like hoorah. And then we're preparing for the World Cup going through this fight with our federation and just absolutely plagued with injuries and it kind of just threw this big wrench in in the whole plan of things and um you know i think it was kind of just the perfect storm for our team yeah you lynn you said it the the world cup was far from ideal for us but i think it's it's going to be a really great time to regroup and and kind of relight that fire and hopefully go and you know obviously here in the next couple of weeks we've got two really important games and hopefully we can qualify for the olympics and go do well in the olympics again and then we'll and then we'll uh revisit the world cup thing the next time <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, Janine, I we're so excited. We want to hear a little bit more about the preparations for next summer for the Olympics. And we're going to get into a little bit about the Federation. But I just wanted to ask, like, as somebody who couldn't go to the World Cup, but clearly a really involved and important member of the team, how did you feel? You did some media during the World Cup. You came and talked with me on Men and Blazers. Like, how was that that experience for you having to watch the team go through what they went through and then having to like comment on it? Yeah, it was a combination of a lot of different things. Uh, it was really weird. That was probably the, the biggest feeling that I, I just felt. It was almost like an out-of-body experience. I was like, I feel like I, like I should be there, but I'm here and I can't do anything about not being there. And I like couldn't get over it for a while. And the worst part of it was like the anticipation, the build up to the tournament. I'm sure you're the same way. Like you, you prepare for so long, you know, the 2019 world cup ended. And for me, that was, that ended on a penalty kick miss that knocked us out of the tournament. And I was like, okay, the one thing I'm going to do is make sure that I'm ready for this next world cup. And then you get an injury and you're like, okay, well, it's not going to be this one, um, where I get by, uh, not revenge, but you know, resurgence, whatever the build up to the tournament was the hardest. And like, it probably had like multiple emotional breakdowns the day of the first game and I had to wait till like the night to watch it um so immediately when the first game kicked off I felt this kind of like sense of finally like it started and then yeah I remember watching them play Nigeria and I was just like okay when are we gonna score and then we didn't score and it ended 0-0 and I was like okay well it's the worst result for the first game and then the tournament went on and all the wild and crazy things that happened in the tournament kept happening and I think it was just also really hard like I felt FOMO so intensely just in the sense of like not being there for this incredible moment in our sport and so I guess you know being a part of the media for in that space keeps you involved and I'm sure mm-hmm. that you felt that too doing men and blazers like I am involved in this in in some mm-hmm. sense but I would also say it was really hard for me to have like boundaries around what I wanted to do what I should do and like how much of it I should do because part yeah. of me was like I'm just gonna watch the games and I'm not gonna do any media and I'm gonna stay off social media and yeah. obviously that didn't end up happening but yeah. that was kind of my intention and then the other thing that was really hard was just like how much do I talk to the girls or like yeah, yeah I was I gonna say did out? you talk did you because you guys were in similar boats did you reach out to them at all because I'm assuming it felt weird to be like I know the environment I know the ins and outs but then in this one particular moment you're like wait I don't I don't but I do yeah I was like do you know I don't I mean? know what's going on there and I, Jesse Fleming and I are very, very close. Um, and I talked to her a few times. She's historically very bad on her phone, which I have so much respect for. She just like hates being on her phone, which I love about her. But I'm also like, Jesse, I need to talk to you. Like, text me back. Text me back. Um, <laughs> but I was also like, I don't want to bother you. So don't text me back if you don't want to. So I talked to Jesse a few times um, and I tried to talk to her about like unrelated things because I was like, okay, maybe she just needs know to have a friend in this moment whatever um sam i don't know how it was for you like did you how many how much did you talk to i remember during my world cup like my phone was like the like it could explode at any minute like i was just like what if i see something i don't want to see like it felt like such like a dangerous place to be on my phone so i didn't really want to talk to anybody 
So I just kept kind of like not texting Lynn and Christy. Like I would say good luck, obviously, but I never expected them to like talk to me or answer me. And then every now and then, like they would text me and be like, what's up? Like, why are you not talking to us? Yeah, I was like, I want to talk to you. Like of anybody, I want to talk to you. But Janine, that it really hit me when you said like during the first game, you were like having an out of body experience. Like the first US game was the only US game I didn't have a live show. And I was like kind of just laying on the couch. Like, oh my God, like what's happening? Like, this is so crazy. And I had way more time before it to like come to terms and accept things. But even like the day before the game, like Pat was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I don't know. I like, I'm so all over the place. I don't know what I'm feeling. And it was just such a crazy, conflicting, weird time. And I actually feel like doing those live Twitch streams that I was doing, like snapped me back to myself and was like, oh my God, like, I'm so excited to watch. Like, this is going to be really cool. I get to talk about my friends, my sister, it like brought me like connected me to something else, which was way better for me in dealing with the whole thing, like being just connected to the world again. So I, I thought that was really interesting that you kind of felt like similarly. Oh, absolutely. Unfortunately, Ethan wasn't here during the actual World Cup. <sighs> he had to be in Miami working. And I actually like, it was probably good that you weren't here because you didn't have to see that side of yeah. me. <laughs> um, but I have such sweet teammates here. Sam Coffee was like, do you want me to come over and watch the first game with you? And I was like, I don't know if I should watch it by myself or watch it with someone. (laughs) And it just like having people in your life that kind of create that space to be like, I'm not going to be offended if you don't want to watch it, but like I'm here if you want me to. And she ended up coming over and it was really nice to have someone to sit there and just like go through all the emotions with. Yeah, it's just like so bizarre watching when you are, you know, like, okay, if I was sitting in the the pregame meeting, this is what I think would have been said. And here's like, this is what I think was being like, what happened to halftime? Like, why, why did this person come out? Are they hurt? Like, it was just so agonizing to watch and like, not know what was going on. I'm also really, really grateful that I had that experience because I know that the next time that I get to play with the national team, it's just going to feel so different. Mm. And it just like, I think injuries create so cliche, but I think my perspective on, being able to play and to play on the national team is so different now. Um, and I don't wish anyone getting hurt, but I wish that everyone could have this kind of perspective shift and kind of like gratefulness check that an injury is because you get lost in these moments and you're like, I don't want to go to training today and I don't want to sit in a team meeting today. And although I know I'm going to feel those things, you know, at some point in my career again, I just, you know, I hope that in those moments I can remember what I felt like uh, watching the World Cup and not being there because that snaps you out of that bad mindset really quickly. That is true. Like you, you take it for granted sometimes and then you, something happens and you're like, okay, I had it good and I want to get back to that. Well, you've had so much success with Canada, Janine, which is so amazing. Like, I feel like you are so well known as a Canadian. Like when I came to Man City, I like didn't even know you were from Colorado. I like legit was like, well, isn't she from Canada? Like I had no idea, (laughs) which I think is so funny now that I really know you because like now I obviously are from Colorado, but Canada has had so much success and, and you've done so much for the team, including being part of fighting for better treatment from your federation. So we wanted to ask about what has been happening and what happened recently. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we know you came to an agreement a couple months ago and the player has had some language. I'm going to read a couple quotes 
that is this right? You were forced to choose between compensation and the funding required to hold camps and forced to choose between getting a fair share of the rewards from successes and getting equal pay on par with the men's team. What is this like for you guys right now, having had recent success and then still dealing with this really horrible fight with your federation? It's been a pretty crazy, you know, I would say probably two years that came to a head at She Believes earlier this year when we really were in the thick of that. Um, and it was just so unfortunate that that happened at that time because it completely took away from three really important games in our World Cup prep. And, you know, I think once the team got to the World Cup and started playing in games, we really saw kind of like that lack of preparation from a, you know, major high level game perspective. Because I, I mean, I was not thinking about tactics or anything like that in that game when we played you guys in Orlando, like I don't even remember what happened. We all just like ended the game and we were like, we're not even going to review that because it was just like, no one was even there. But yeah, I mean, what you read, I think that statement, we ended up releasing another statement because the wording, we decided the wording wasn't great. Essentially, we came to an agreement with the Federation for 2023, which was just a short-term compensation agreement that highlighted what the players were going to make coming out of the World Cup. And I think it got a little crazy when FIFA introduced the minimums, which is great. Like it was, I was so happy for, you know, global women's football that all these federations that probably wouldn't have paid their players anything had to, you know, were uh, obligated to pay them the minimums, which was fantastic. But what had happened was the federation, and I know we weren't the only ones, came back and said, oh, you know, like now that there's these minimums, this can change what we've kind of agreed to, which was all agreed to, you know, in principle, not like we hadn't signed anything. And so that kind of threw a wrench in, in what we had been working on. But essentially, Canada soccer is in a very, very difficult financial position. Um, and we weren't aware of that financial position until we were made aware, come she believes that our budget was being cut. And it was just a really confusing and frustrating time for the team because, you know, imagine you've just seen your men's team qualify for their first World Cup in 36 years, play in it. It was really weird because everyone was so excited about it. They they obviously did not perform how they wanted to. And so there was all of this excitement. We had seen the kind of treatment they were getting leading into the World Cup, which was great. Like it was exactly how any high level team should be treated, you know, from resources to flights to, you know, single hotel rooms and business class flights going in and out of camp. And at the end of the day, I think what we wanted people to realize was that this wasn't about money for us. Like it wasn't about, oh, I want to, you know, play for the national team and make this big check and go home and have a bunch of money in my pocket. It wasn't about that. It was, we just want to be treated the same way as our men's team in order to perform at the level that you expect us and we expect us to perform at. And then we had been having all of these conversations for so long come January 2023. And they're like, oh, we're in this really bad position financially. We're going to cut budgets to make sure that we can continue to operate over the next couple of years. And it was just like so soul crushing as a player to and especially as someone who's been so involved in the conversation mm -hmm. to have had all the conversations that we had and felt like we were making progress. And then, you know, your budget is slashed in a World Cup year off the back of being Olympic champions. And it was just like, what is going on? And so we've, you know, there's been a lot of change in personnel at the Federation as well. And that hasn't been easy to deal with. Um, I do think we're moving in the right direction. There's still a lot to be done. There's still a lot of 
you know, we don't have any kind of formal CBA that we are happy with at this point. That's still to all be negotiated. And our full intention is to have a substantial CBA that we are happy with moving forward over the next couple of years instead of continuing to come back to the table and just like negotiate these short-term deals. So there's a lot of it that we can't control as players. And I think that's been one of the hardest things. Um, You know, we have our youth teams we have to look out for who have suffered significantly in all of this. And at the end of the day, when you don't fund your youth teams, you're essentially not funding your senior teams because you're not going to have the talent coming through the system that you need to continue to be successful on the world stage. So it's all really, and I know that you two are both very well, you have a lot of knowledge about all of this because of what you guys went through with your federation, but it's so multifaceted. And I think the mm-hmm. the list of to-dos feels really long. Um, so we're just, you know, we're taking it one step at a time. We need to qualify for the Olympics and then, you know, the conversation can continue. Yeah, I think it it is crazy. It feels like you don't know where to start. You feel like the weight is on your shoulders and you're like, you have a million different things. I think it's admirable to see how well you guys have done, how much success Canada has had without the support of the Federation there's no league there. Like all of the things are stacked against you guys. Um, and it feels like in this moment as well. So to see you guys continuing to push and, and fight, um, is admirable. I wish you guys didn't have to fight and I hope you guys get there and get to a moment in a place where you guys feel accept, like it's acceptable. I feel that for like women's soccer just as a whole right now, it is like a very crazy moment. Um, but I think it's also amazing to see how, much the world is just backing everybody, backing women's soccer. You look at what um, just happened at the World Cup in Australia, like that nation, I think will forever be changed. um, And the amount of resources is going to go into their uh, federation. And so I feel like if there's a moment for the federation to get on board with what's happening, it's now. So um, I hope that you guys have hope and like light in that in that movement. But unless we had any more questions, Sam, I think that... No, I think we're good. Janine, we'll be waiting for your return. We are so excited to see you back on the field for both Portland and Canada. Um, And hopefully at the Olympics next summer, good luck to Canada with their qualifying games coming up. Well, go, go, go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, we did so good this whole time. Like everyone just like waiting to talk and then I blew it. Um, no, I was just going to say thank you so much for having me. I am such a big fan of snacks. I see all of the fun guests that you guys have. And you guys should do like a coaching course on how to do a podcast because you guys do it so good. You you guys are incredible. I, I love snacks. I wow. listen all the time. Oh, my gosh. I will not listen to my own episode because I absolutely hate listening to the sound of my own voice. <laughs> Um, but I've been Tell here, so more. I've already listened to it. Tell us um, more compliments. Yeah. If you ever we need, need a confidence boost, you just call me and I will personally give you all of the, the good, the good things that you're doing because I love snacks and I'm so happy to be here and I feel honored to have been a guest. Oh my gosh, Janine. That is well, so Can nice. you give us a snacks chomp? There. Yeah, that was a good knew. one. She, she I feel like my nephew, he does that all the time. But get <laughs> so him on here. We'll have him on next. <laughs> Okay, welcome back to Snacks, delivered by Grubhub. Before we get into the voicemail, we have the pop culture thing that we talked about. So this new segment called Snacks Pop Culture Things, let's start. We're just going to talk about them, I guess. Thing number one, Taylor friggin' Swift sat next to Travis Kelsey's mom at the Chiefs game. 
this has taken over my whole feed. Like Same. I don't have any other news on any of my timelines except for Taylor Swift memes, gifts, mm-hmm. videos, pictures. I'm obsessed on all the platforms, Twitter, yeah. Instagram, TikTok. A thing that I think is funny on TikTok, people, women have been videoing their husbands and saying, oh my gosh, Taylor Swift was at the Chiefs game. I'm so excited for Travis. She's going to put him on the map. And then the husbands get well, so upset. Did you see that his jersey sales increased by 400%? So she did put him on the map. Well, like, <laughs> I think people, like, started buying his jersey left and right. Like, that's the power of Taylor Swift. I know. But it's just so funny because all like, these husbands... Like, I know he's are, nasty, but, like... He's nasty. All these, like, husbands are getting so upset, though, because they're like, what are you talking about? He's the best tight end in the history of the sport. Well, everybody's like, and all the women are just like, it's so easy to rile you up. That's hilarious. Wait, time out from the Taylor Swift thing. Apologies. Have you seen the thing about the Roman Empire? Yes. Okay. I literally, obviously, I wasn't recording this, but I, I was like, this like can't be true. And I said, Pat, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? And word for word, he goes, I was just watching a video about the Roman Empire last night, and then why? he started why? going on and on about how. It was really Caesar's cousin, Augustus, who was the one who was in power for a long time, but he gets looked over. And I was like, literally, what are you talking about? This is wild. I saw this video of this guy trying to explain it. He's like, everybody thinks about the Roman Empire because everybody, our society today was built off of that and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, but not every second am I like, yes, I got this cup because the Romans drank out of a stone i couldn't tell you the last time i the only the last time i thought about the roman empire was when i heard about this phenomenon that's happening yeah and in high school when i learned about it yeah okay thing number two nsync is releasing a song for the first time in 20 years it's coming out as the headline song for the new trolls movie do we care about this are we excited this is the first time i'm hearing about this so well did you see all over my newsfeed Okay, well, NSYNC was at the VMAs. That's when Taylor Swift also was going viral about the VMAs. I have a very Taylor Swift-heavy timeline, as one might expect. Yes. And that's when she was, like, fangirling super hard over, was over NSYNC, because now NSYNC is, like, doing all these appearances, because they're, like, I don't know, coming out with a new song, being in the Trolls movie. They went on Hot Ones. Shout out to Hot yeah. Ones. Can we get on Hot Ones? Yeah. So are we interested in this NSYNC revival? I think that people would like that. Is it just for the Trolls movie or are they just, what is happening? Like, what do you mean? I don't really know. I'm sure more to come. Okay. So we don't really have much to say about that. I but- don't really have much to say of things that don't have anything to do with Taylor Swift. Clearly. But I do like the Trolls movie. I will watch that with my nieces and nephew. And by nieces, I mean my one niece and my nephews. Okay. Well, anyway, that was a fun segment. That was our pop culture thingy. How exciting. And maybe we'll do it again. Okay, great. Let's go over to the Snacks Hotline, a.k.a. the Snacks Voicemail. Hi, Lynn and Sam. My name is also Sam, and I just wanted to say thanks for being my go-to running podcast. You've made running a marathon definitely an okay time. Since you're my go-to running podcast, I want to know what your go-to running song or podcast is. Bye. Oh, my gosh. gosh. Thank you so much, Sam. Sam. I love that question. I'm going to pull up my... Spotify right now and figure it out. The first one that pops into my head is Middle Child by J. Cole. That's my like, that's my like, get me through the last few minutes of like a tough workout song. Yeah, I feel like you have to start like, like a slow and then at the very end, it's like ramping up to like more aggressive songs. So it's like, I listen to Lil Baby, Lil Baby, my favorite rapper. I watched a documentary one time and now he's my favorite rapper. I know. I think you've talked about that before on here. Yeah, I think it's, 
an amazing documentary. Everybody should watch it on Amazon Prime. You know, the other one that starts like starts kind of slower and then really builds is that song by Meek Mill. Dreams we and Nightmare. sing it in the courage locker room. Dreams and Nightmare. Oh, yeah. yeah that's a good that's one. That's a good one. one. That is a good one. We, um, also sing, we also sang that in Tulum. We did sing that. Into, Do you that remember was, that? Yeah. I remember we were like <laughs> dancing and then all of a sudden that song came on. We were like, what? Yeah, I do. I do. That was fun. And then you sang your little heart out. I also listen to Drake a lot when I'm running. Love it. I don't really know how to go on a leisurely run, though. I've tried. It doesn't really work. I start going too fast. I get exhausted. And then I'm like, all right, I'm over it. So I don't know how I'd ever run a marathon. Yeah. Wow. Sam, good luck to you. Props for running a marathon. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much for calling in. But you didn't leave a chomp. That's our only critique. So hopefully next time, if you guys call in, you can leave a chomp. This one, you're you're upset with Sam. And last one, you were upset with somebody else, too. Like, you're at the very end just continuing to roast the voicemail people. Well, I mean. Be better. Just be yeah, better. And like, we won't do that. Yeah. I mean, call in at your own risk. You know what I mean? All right, guys. If you have a question, call us at 917 917- Five six five nine five three one. That is nine one seven five six five nine five three one. Just call. Everybody's doing it. Make sure you do a chomp and be better so you don't get roasted by Sam. Exactly. Or do. I thank you for saying that, Lynn, so I didn't have to say it. All right, everybody. That is it for this week. This is our goodbye. Next week on the podcast, we have Ifi Onamanu. I'm so excited to talk to her. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to it, like this one from Bet J that says this podcast rules, and my only suggestion is to make it year-round. Thank you, Bet J. Thank you. Okay, one last thing, Lynn. I don't know. Do you have anything for me to make? Um, I don't know. I was just going to say that I had soup last night for dinner and also today for lunch. It was a... What kind? Bean soup. It what? It was like... Like white beans it was like one of the, beans? Yes, yes, white bean in like one of those, like we roasted like a bunch of vegetables and blended them up and then put some beans in there. Oh my gosh, it's very fall. Oh, I have to show you one more thing. Okay. Don't look at all the other pieces, but look, I made a lime. That means I can make an orange. Oh my God, shut up. I love. I'm so excited. That's it. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snacks is produced by Jay Wolf, Lauren Day, Patrick Cadino, and John Murray. For more great women's sports content, go to justwomensports.com and be sure to follow Just Women Sports on all your favorite channels. I'm Sam Lewis. And I'm and I'm Lynn Williams, <laughs> and you've been listening to Snacks delivered by Grubhub. <laughs>